No, no, I'm ending that. I'm ending that right there. I, <laughs> I knew, I knew when you said, "Don't even watch this. Just play it after the intro." I knew that I was probably going to answer that. It's a hard one again. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, now play the other one. Dude. I was going to tell you to play first. Go to the other one that I told you we were originally going to play first. We intro shows like nobody else, guys. Come on. <laughs> this one's funny. Come on. Uh, hold on. <laughs> uh, we're off to it. All right, let's go. Why do girls have to sit down to go to the bathroom? Because they have diabetes. Boys have penises and girls have diabetes. <laughs> no, no, lies detected. no lies detected. He's got better biology lesson than most of the adults that we know. Oh, man. <laughs> well, everyone, welcome to our first episode since the big T TM interview, since the big Taylor Marshall interview. All those new subs, gone. You see, the thing is, I don't see any new people in the chat, though, so I'm like, I want people to see the, the mayhem right off the bat. Um, I just joined into that wow, one of my eyes out. Um so, uh, why don't we do some uh, house cleaning real quick before we get into everything? Because we got a lot of stuff to get to tonight. Uh, you know, that's your what turn. What kind of house cleaning talk. you want to do? I don't know. Everybody okay. like, subscribe. What are you supposed to say? What's the point of house cleaning after what we just did, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> we do show. We do start shows differently than anybody else out there. You have to give us that. Yes, um, yes, that's true. So for those of you who are new to the show, to the channel, if all you've seen was Taylor Marshall, I apologize profusely. <laughs> <laughs> but, but please like the video, even if it even if you really don't. And uh, check us out on on Spirit Tooth Rumble. <laughs> Uh, Odyssey podcast, all that, all that good stuff. We even do the the Chinese TikTok now. Oh yeah, we do. Somebody somebody said today they're like I I they were like uh they say I hope you I hope you guys don't. It might have been Joe Weston. He's like I hope you guys don't change. I love how unstuffy uh how unstuffy avoiding Babylon is compared to other podcasts. See. He lives in the he lives in the Caribbean. Like he's on a beach drinking rum it, all the time. It might not have been it might not have been him. It might have been John. I, f I forgot who it was, but yeah, somebody said we're just not stuffy. But um, we actually are going to get to. This is why I don't take advice from Anthony. You should not take advice from Anthony on anything. The best part is Rick started his show today, and he goes. Welcome to the one show where we don't talk over our guests. And then he proceeded to talk over Cunningham for like 30 seconds today. <laughs> Cunningham, was trying, Cunningham had a good joke, too. He was making fun of me, and, and Rick talked right over him. I loved it. Um, let me just say, we have, uh, yeah, we do have a bunch of stuff to get to today because um, we wanted, I wanted to really get into, like, I had this weird um, thought of, of, because I, all right, I guess I'll back up a little. I watched a, a documentary on on Formed uh, called The Early Christians, and one of the episodes was on Constantine. And 
you know, Constantine has that dream in this sign you shall conquer. Who, according to all your evangelicals, Constantine was the first Catholic. The first Catholic. And he started the Catholic Church. Yeah, uh, 325 AD at the Council of uh, Nicaea. If you guys want to have a good laugh, go back and watch, look at some of the comments on some of the Taylor clips we put on. Not the full show, but on the clips. Anthony has a weird thought on her. Especially the but, one on the priesthood. The yeah, the, the, came after the priesthood. The Protestants came after uh, Taylor for uh, pointing out to where the priesthood is in the Catholic uh, is in the Bible. The Catholic priesthood is in the Bible. So, yeah, you'll you'll see a bunch of uh, wounds in that one. So, uh, <laughs> stop distracting me with the comments, Rob. So, I watched a documentary on Formed uh, about the early church. Uh, um, it was, I think it was just called The Early Christians. There was an episode on Constantine. He has the dream and the sign you shall conquer. And it just made me realize, especially with like Pride Month, that's going to be coming soon and how they were. Yeah, God. I have that tattooed over my chest, actually. And the sign you shall conquer in, in, in Latin. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they made everybody remove prayer and crucifixes from the classrooms. And almost every classroom has one of those pride flags up now. And a flag is a sign of conquer. It's a sign of conquest. Right. Like when you when a, when a nation conquers a place, they plant the flag as a sign of domination. That's so why we see, own the moon. Yeah, we own the moon. <laughs> but it's why uh, you see uh, when you see a church with a pride flag on it, it's it's particularly outrageous because it means the ideology has conquered that church. That church is no longer Christian at that point if it if it has that flag on it. And sadly, you see it on in some Catholic parishes that are way over to the left, you know? <laughs> Don says you guys believe in the moon. It's um, why in um, in Catholic parishes, um, you know, who often have both the the flag of the Holy See as well as the flag of the nation that the parish is in, the flag of the Holy See traditionally, generally, is always closer to the tabernacle, even if only by a few inches, than the flag of whatever nation the church is in. I didn't know that. I just learned that today. Yep. That's very cool. Um, yeah. So I like just seeing how, like it, it's uh, how starstruck was Anthony that he behaved himself. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I was, I was nervous going in like me and Rob, when we were in the green room, especially because uh, Taylor was having compu- uh, internet issues and like things. And we we're sitting in the green room, like what's going on here, man? Like, what, what <laughs> is he going to come on? What are we going to do? And Rob just goes, well, this is happening, isn't it? And I'm like, oh boy. But once, like, once I got on air, I, like the nervousness left. Like I, I kind of, I, I going back and listening to it, I can tell it about the 10 minute mark. You settle in. Yeah, I, I caught my groove, and then by the end of the show, we were just like, I'll tell you, my favorite part of the show is when he actually said, "No, oh, I got a few more minutes. I can stay on with you guys." When and you, I ran out of questions. But I ran out of questions. I, I went off script and I was like, all right, let me just talk now. So some sometimes having questions lined up, like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm better off just winging it. But I, I, I was afraid I would have dead air. And, you know, my fear of dead air. So I didn't want to have that happen. Uh, USA was the first country to put a national flag inside the church. Americanism is there. That's, that's a fair, that's a fair point. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so like, um, 
like seeing in this sign you will conquer on that documentary just made me realize like this is the new sign that they're trying to conquer and it's also the new pinching incense to caesar so if you see like the nh the nhl right now finally all the players stood up and and i guess it was enough of them where the nhl said okay we have to reassess this whole idea of having a pride night because it's causing too much conflict with the players it just goes to show you when you stick together and actually make a fuss about something like you, you do have a little bit of power. Unfortunately, it tends to be one guy who doesn't want to do it. And everybody else is just like, go along to get along. Yeah. Which is kind of also the, the heresy of Americanism. <laughs> we tend to just go along to get along in this country. If only because you know, for a good portion of the history, like we were discriminated against like legitimately. And, uh, and we just wanted to live our lives, so people went along just a little too much. Yeah, I think it's also uh, greed, right, and capitalism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and people just don't want to take the chance of – it has a lot to do with cowardice too, right? Like people don't want to be the guy in the spotlight. I mean, it's like – it's crazy because you had um, – I don't know if it was a – it was some – I'm not a sports guy, guys, so you have to forgive me. But I think it was – Somebody stood up recently. It might have been a hockey player. Or it might have been a football player. But he was like, I'm not wearing that garbage. There's like, a hockey not. player. He's like, I'm not wearing it. And he refused to wear it. And they went crazy. And they're like, well, you know, you saw it on every sports program. It's like, this is a day and age. of blah, 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 blah. And, and his jersey sales went through the roof. Like, mm-hmm. you see, you saw it with Tim Tebow. Like Tim Tebow, when he just knelt down, which another sad case because he doesn't have the sign of the cross. I mean. That drives me nuts. Whenever I see somebody like kneeling in prayer and they don't make the sign of the cross, I'm like, you idiot. Like, why are you (laughs) like, it's just such an anti-Catholic bias to not make the sign of the cross. Like, it's so silly. Like, it's the only thing that really stands out that you can do to to mark what you are. You're making a a statement with that movement. You go out and you go out and pray, say, say grace before meals. You make the sign of the cross. You're making a statement at that table and people around you look at you like, you know, you have nuts doing that in public. <laughs> it is, which is half, half kind of half the fun of doing it. Half the fun of it. Absolutely. But part of this is um, part of this, I think, has to do with social media. Like social media has conditioned people so much, the algorithm and these kids are all like, if you really think about it, like, you know, we we have our theories about what happened in the last election, but pretty soon they won't even have to do any ballot harvesting or anything like that because Gen Z is so locked into their devices and they're so brainwashed by these algorithms that all they're getting fed is this nonsense. It's like uh, Fawaz was saying earlier, like on... um, when he was on uh, news from the pew, just like Gen Z, the, the Democrats have them on lock just because all they get is social media algorithm. It's a, like whatever they're looking at, that's it. They're going to get, they're getting fed a message. And you talk about programming. Because it, what it really comes down to is the truth of, of the faith of conservatism, like actual conservatism, not American conservatism, but like, um, that, that sort of truth you need to come to like logically and rationally, which means you need to you need to think about it, you need to consider it. Social media doesn't allow for that. Social media is is purely one hundred percent like 
uh, emotional and, and hormonal like high in the brain, right? It's all based on on dopamine hits, you know, you get from and the light and, and from. And especially with the way it is now, it's not like, look, me and you are having a long form converse, conversation right now. Kids are on TikTok flipping, 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 swiping, right. swiping, swiping. They're getting these 30 like, second, seven to 15, seven second to 15 second videos are what get the most views on TikTok. TikTok allows for a minute videos, but even a minute long videos get significantly shorter views than seven second videos. That's so crazy. People do not have a one minute attention span. <clears throat> it's like, that's, that's really insane, right? Like you really think yeah. about that. People are flipping through and they don't have a one minute attention span. Uh, I was promised. Easton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. Enoch's coming, guys. I should have. I should have told you guys that he, he said he'll be on at eight fifteen, so he's running a few minutes late. But he'll he'll be here any minute. I, I told him to take his time. He's coming. Um, Sean, Sean has a good point here, though. Like, yes, the majority of Gen Z, I wouldn't even say that they're liberal because, like, they don't have necessarily thoughts of their own. It's all just conditioning, right? But for the right for the the Gen Zers that are conservative or right wing like they're far more so than most in my generation yeah. way more so than gen x right i mean yeah but when you say conservative it's all right so what i was getting at with the social media before we even go on to that was there are girls that watch videos uh tiktok videos of girls other girls with tourettes okay so like they're right. watching of they're watching video after video of, the, of girls with tourettes and when they get off tiktok they develop those those ticks so like there's there's girls watching these videos over and over and then after watching them they actually de develop the ticks themselves just to show you like how much social media affects your mind right so now when you're like you're talking about the the generation behind us being a little more conservative but they the, still don't the, have God. those that are those that are but they're conservative not religious conservative they're conservative uh, as almost like a rebellion of of uh just like a just like I a rebellious just, thing against you, I, you disagree i disagree i think the a lot of the gen zers who are conservative tend to be a lot more religious than say the libertarianism of of con conservative uh gen x and and millennials I mean, because it, it's it's Gen Z that are rejecting, you know, your your Prager, you and your Daily Wire and things like that, and and um, and going for for the more kind of well, more more like not us specifically, but you know what I mean. So uh, Joe's saying that uh, Mike Church today was saying that Gen Z is moving towards dumb phones. Maybe they're getting out of. I mean, look, it's probably mostly Gen Z at the traditional mass too, right? I guess yeah. like they're young. I, I, where does Gen Z start? Gen Z starts like 1997 and goes up until uh, I want to say it's like 2015 or something like that. And then what, we don't even know what's after that yet. <clears throat> Gen Alpha. Name yet. Alpha. Alpha. Wow. Yeah. So, all right. So, Gen Z is ninety-seven. Wow, that's late. I thought that was still millennial. Nah, I think, I think it's like ninety-seven because I know Hope. Hope is a very late millennial at ninety-four. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, I guess there's a lot of Gen Z at the traditional mass then. <clears throat> um, 90, 97 to twenty thirteen. 
Okay. So then, um, you, but you're but you're still seeing the the idea of it was like the baby boomers. Are, all right. So you, I guess you have you know the greatest generation. They're the ones who go and they fight World War II. They come back. The, the men there don't partake in religion at all. Let's get Enoch on Enoch's here. You're gonna get him, Rob. Every everyone was demanding him anyway, so here he is. <laughs> they would just ask him for chop liver. <clears throat> we, we're we're actually talking about um uh so we named the video in this song you shall conquer because i i've been watching this uh series on formed about the early church okay. and the last episode i watched was on constantine and constantine has the dream in this sign you will conquer and he has a vision of the cross and we were just talking about how in the classrooms they removed the crucifix and every classroom now has a rainbow flag when you see a, a flag a rainbow flag on a church how devastating that is because that means that ideology has conquered that church that church is no more preaching or teaching the christian faith at that point correct you know so and then we were talking about generations so uh you had mentioned on news from the pew today you were saying that like the democrat party basically has gen z on lock right like for now yeah they do so rob was pointing out that there's actually like a, you know, there is a, there is a kicking back on that in some sectors. Like when you go to the traditional mass, a lot of those young families, those are all Gen Z. Those aren't really, they're, they're Gen Z and millennials. They're not typically not Gen X, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I think, I think that's what I was mistaken. Maybe Gen Z with Gen X, but the compared to the rest of the world, that's a very small number of folks. I mean, we are, we are the ones having a lot of kids. I guess you would say that might overcorrect itself later on, but unfortunately, those the, the people who are just dropping the kids off at school, um, the people who are not having kids, that's they're educating somebody else's child. Yeah, yeah. So you had you had like uh, the greatest generation, they're the guys who fought in World War II. When they come home, <clears throat> that's the generation I think really started letting the wives teach religion to the children. Like that they gave up their duty as being like the man who took their faith seriously. And they kind of just got caught up in American materialism to a degree that had never been seen before, because this is, you know, this is right after the great depression and they're coming in and this is when you start getting an economic boom and all these guys are coming back and they're looking to be, you know, they're all looking to have the American dream where they got their house and their two cars and, you know, things like that. So then you move on to the baby boomers, the baby, the baby boomers wind up being the hippies and they have the sexual revolution. (laughs) Then you get Gen X then you get millennials. Now, every generation that's proceeding, the men are less and less involved and the women are more and more involved. And you start seeing, this is it. This is when the council kicks in and you constantly hear about how women are breaking barriers in the church. Women are breaking back. We need to bring women more into the, women run the church. They legit run the church. If they cared at all about the church, they would be saying, we need to get men back into the church and we need to figure out how to because they look at it like men are just the hierarchy but it's like every single other structure in the church is run by women at this point yeah and that's the majority of a novice order parishes and the diocese correct it's they're everything they're they're the ones running every every program every i mean they 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 take care of it's really to the point where 
I know when I bring my kids to a Novus Ordo, like especially my son, he's just sitting there like, oh my goodness, it's so hard to sit there because it's a very, it's not a very masculine liturgy. It's not a very masculine ritual. So you have, it's just, it's why, it's why Islam is getting massive recruits of young men because it's very demanding on them. And Catholicism is just bleeding out men like crazy. And the only place you're seeing men even remotely interested is in this traditional movement. Yep. Yeah, we were, I think we were talking about that through text messages a couple of days ago, the three of us. Uh, but I do want to sh- share this uh, really quickly. So from, when I was in San Diego, we were in, uh, my wife and I in 2015 found the fraternity parish over there in San Diego. And it's always in the ghetto Hispanic community. That's pretty much where they, <laughs> and all the, yeah. all the, the, the traditional masses. <laughs> And at that time, it was a great, great priest, Father Guzmandi. Love him. He was orthodox. He was awesome. But he was big picture. And bought a bunch of buildings, bought a uh, uh, pretty much like the street for parking. He was he had big plans for the church, millions of dollar plans. Well, he was moved to uh, Pennsylvania. He's doing a great job to a bigger parish. And they moved a. Uh, this is FSSP? Yeah, FSSP. They moved a different pastor over there in the name of Father Lyons. Really slender, really meek, really calm. Kind of reminds me of St. John Vianney, if, if you know, from what I've known about St. John Vianney. Right. And every time we'd go to church, we'd notice a change. The door looks better. The pews look better. The floor looks better. He, you know, there's more confession added. He took all the laity out of catechesis, and he said the priests are the only ones who get, who get to teach confirmation first communion. So I'm standing outside one time, and I'm talking to Father Lyons. I said, hey, I have a you know background in youth, in youth ministry. If you need any help, just let me know. He goes, why don't you be my TA just for confirmation? Said, yeah. Let's do it, right? And this parishioner comes up to him and says, we all have all these plans. We donated so much money. We got millions of dollars, all these plans, buying buildings, and goes money, all these plans. And what are your plans for the parish? And he looks at him, and I remember, forget this. He says, my plan is to make my parishioners into saints. That was his response. Wow. And he got it. He understood the pastoral the assignment. And I think that's just a beautiful way of taking the laity, the women, I guess, who were teaching at that time, out of it and saying, we're going to do confessions. We're going to do these masses. We're going to teach confirmation. We're going to teach First Communion. And I thought it was the manliest thing that you could do. It was super yeah. awesome. That's fair. So, it was thriving. thriving. I'm sure. Is it, so wait, is now... He's still he's in San Diego. You're saying yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I've been to the FSSP in Pennsylvania. That's St. Michael's in Scranton. Uh, um, that, a, I think he's in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay, okay, different different parish then. Okay, um, so my daughter just made her confirmation, and we had the auxiliary bishop come and he gives a homily, and the homily was a, a comedy routine. Now it was a great homily. Don't get me wrong; it was very. <laughs> It was very entertaining. Right. The whole place was erupting with laughter. It was great. And yeah, he that's, was that's proper at the mass. And he was begging the children, kids, your confirmation is not your graduation. That doesn't mean you don't have to come to, to mass anymore. And and he was saying good things, but the whole thing was about him being the funny guy giving the sermon. And 
when we left there, my wife, my mother, all the women were like, that was so great. I wish every church was like that. Oh my goodness. I would go all the time. And I'm like, you don't understand. This is why men left the church. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't understand them. And I'm like, I'm not. And my wife was like, you always have to be, you always have to make a night. I'm like, you're just missing something. I said, there's nothing in that homily that he said that actually called those kids to something greater. Right. He just didn't like, there was nothing in there to make these kids understand the faith deeper this is why i wanted to catechize my kids at home and i did so i like i had to uh, for a while i went parish hopping until i found a parish that was willing to let me catechize my children from home because i i mean i told you some of the garbage i saw in their catechism but the ecumenism stuff is so outrageous and this is a diocesan program and they wanted me to teach my kids that uh, who's in the church? People of goodwill. Who are people of goodwill? Muslims are people of goodwill. Jews are people of goodwill. So they didn't actually say that they're in the church, but they implied it by saying who's in the church, people of goodwill, and then saying those groups are people of goodwill. Mm. And it's like, wait a minute. You guys got like, there's no way I would ever teach that to my kids. There's not a chance I would teach that to nope. my kids. And I tried to explain to my mother and my wife that I know you guys find this cute and funny and stuff, but it's not calling men to something higher. It's right. just not. It's not challenging them in any way. And that's why men basically said, hey, wife, you you raise the kids in religion. I'm going to take no part in it. And the kids then don't retain the faith and they don't have anything to do with if, it. If we don't offer something to people that, that the world does not offer, people will pick the world 100% of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Rob, what were your experiences? Are we are we talking about youth ministry? Sorry, if we I will. Rob, well, we'll lead it off with that video I told you. We're going to start off with. I said I said this video will be good for when Fawaz comes on before we talk youth. I, ministry. I didn't want to we, take over what you guys are talking about. No, dude, we can you. wing any conversation. We got a ton of videos we can get to if that conversation dries up and we got something else. But this sure. video is perfect to start off this conversation with, especially you after what I just said. Twenty videos. We got, we got, no, we got about seven videos and three articles because there's a couple of articles I want to discuss also that have to do with all this also. But this video that we're going to play right now ties in perfectly to what I was just saying about the homily the the uh, auxiliary bishop gave. Angela, that's a great quote from St. Pio. That's very true. Wait, can you describe what the video looks like to me, Anthony? Because it's a, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll tell you which one it is. It is, is it whoa. It looks like a, a, a parish. You should see it as a parish. The one with the people in the pews? Yes, obviously. Okay. Paul, that's not a bad idea, actually. Oh, it's the scooter priest. So, so blow the video. <laughs> yeah, we'll do like Here we that. go, kids. Hey, kids, come to church on Sunday. Look at what you'll see. <laughs> Yay! Yay! He's so exciting! Yay! He's a cool priest. I didn't know priests could be cool, guys. Amazing! <laughs> it's so degrading to the to the office. Yeah, very much so. Very. He just looks like a silly man in a dress on a scooter. What yeah. I think is is even worse in a way. See if I can. Oh, I can't blow it up. Look. uh Look at the look at the three sitting back there. They're sitting with their backs to Christ, just sitting right in front of the tabernacle. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, I tell you, when we went in, we were it was my family. It was like the only family that genuflected when they were going into the pews. So, but yeah, so let's let's get you guys because you guys both have way different um, experiences with youth ministry. Like, Fawaz, you were actually teaching youth ministry, right? Like, yeah, I was a director for youth for ten years. The biggest the biggest confirmation program in the diocese. Now, this was before you found tradition, too, right? No, no, this was I found the tradition in the middle of it, so I had to change my style completely. I'll talk, talk so let's I'll talk let's hear this. let's hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask Rob first because Rob, you yeah. went through some of some of the Superville conferences. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah. So our confirmation program. So the the parish I went to was um, it was a diocesan parish. It was actually one that did have uh, oh, I did have a TLM back during the um, the adult period. So it was actually a pretty solid parish, but we were on the Novus Ordo side. Um, we had two nuns in charge of our CCD program, but they couldn't, of course, there. I mean, we literally had 11 different CCD classes, all with about 30 kids in them. So they couldn't handle every, cl- every grade. So other people took care of other grades. But for confirmation, we had to go to... Um, a once a month net program, very mm. similar to like Life Teen. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know you have your your mass in a gym, rock music. You have a couple older teenagers tell you about all the sex and drugs they did, and now that they you know found Christ and blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Uh, and then we had to do a retreat um, at the at the University of Saint Thomas and Saint Paul, and the retreat was put on by by Steubenville. So it was a Steubenville conference, but in St. Paul, Minnesota. And that, uh, that retreat was basically like a weekend, weekend long life team sort of event. Right. I mean, we had mass, uh, every day, but I was in a gym with rock music and, um, you know, had different breakout groups with once again, older teenagers telling you about all the mistakes they did and they they don't do (laughs) They do. They don't do a great job, you know, making it sound terrible. Let's just <laughs> like I, I was drinking. I had beautiful women everywhere. It's like, oh, what? And, and now I'm here doing these on the weekend with you guys. Yeah. Why are you here? <laughs> and then, so there was one highlight to that weekend, and it was uh, Father Stan being there live. Father Stan. I mean, I grew up with him, so love that guy. He was entertaining, man. Oh yeah, he was. But zipper um, zone. The the worst part of the whole weekend to me, and like it, it's terrible that I'm even about to say this, but the whole worst part of that whole weekend, yeah, was adoration, because mm-hmm. they pack a thousand kids into the this gym, right, and it's in the middle yep. of July, and it's it's ninety degrees in there before everyone packs in there, probably reaches to one hundred and ten, and everyone's sweating, <laughs> and and they they. They prime you beforehand, before you go in there, like, you might hear people talking in tongues. People might be weeping and crying and passing out, and right. and it's like, well, yeah, it's from degrees. <laughs> so they prime you with all this beforehand, and then, you know, then you're there, and you're kneeling on this gym floor, for and it's literally like three hours long, as they process up and down with, with Christ. But, yeah. yeah, people start just going crazy, like, Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, we're talking like full on, like charismatic uh, babbling and, mm-hmm. and just, I don't know. I, I came away from that weekend. It's like no one takes 
no, not a single person there took the faith seriously. And it, it destroyed my faith. It's so unattractive to men. It is. Oh, it, the, well, it, every it was all 90, 90% women leading everything. Mm-hmm. And the guys that were leading them, they didn't like the women, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that because that's pretty much similar to what. No, I've never been to a Superville conference because I didn't go through youth ministry. I didn't. I went to the uh, Superville conference or all the other conferences because I was a youth minister. One right. of those things. So, like, you just had to. So, I started in t- uh, 2008 is when I started volunteering. Then I, we went into a mission trip in Nicaragua. I, I was there, um, almost died. I got so sick. I lost about malaria. I don't know what it was. I got, yeah, probably. This guy almost got George Newmeyered. <laughs> <laughs> we almost never got a, an Enoch album, bro. <laughs> uh, no, and I, I lost twenty. I lost twenty pounds in like four days, something like that. Oh. It, was, it was insane. So I couldn't keep anything in. But anyways, um, I, I got the position. I, I didn't have a job at the time. I was getting married. My best friend was leaving youth ministry, and I was his right-hand man for like three years. And then I got the position on Wednesday. I got married that Saturday. Like, that was just God. I, I was doing a novena, praying for a job, and God pretty much mm-hmm. said, here's here. So now, at that time, I didn't know how to do youth ministry other than what I've seen. Now, my friend came from TAC, Thomas Thomas Aquinas College. Okay. And there's the smartest guy I know but he was too intellectual and his focus was on the intellect of the faith, which was great. But you're talking about kids that haven't heard anything remotely catechesis since the first communion, which was six, seven years ago. Right. Yeah. If not, yeah. A little more than that probably. But. So I'm sitting with the pastor and I was like, I, I, I want to change some things. I want to change the, the program. He goes, don't change it the first year. Just keep it the way it is and change it the year after. So I had to suffer my first year. So I suffered through it. The next year, I switched the programs to two different days. We had 425 students every week. Whoa. And it was first and second year. We had two-year programs. So I switched it up to a to a second, to a second. So we did Mondays and Wednesdays. First year is yeah. on Mondays, second year is on Wednesdays. And I t- kind of took away the classroom setting in a way for the second years, but kept it for the first years. They had catechesis. We rewrote the program. At that time, I was a Catholic answers Catholic. You know, I was into Trent, uh, uh, Trent Horn, um, Jason Everett, those guys. Yeah, I, I call myself. I was a I was a lighthouse Catholic media Catholic. You know, like I was listening to all the Jeff Caven talks, and, and I still love those guys. So don't get me wrong; I'm not knocking them, and I still love Catholic answers. Catholic answers. When it comes to uh, Protestant apologetics, there's nobody better. And, and nobody better. Too. Yeah, and, yeah, and atheist stuff too. It wasn't until 2015, honestly, where I, I found the tradition. And that it, it was thanks to Father Isaac Mary. It was a stu- um, it was a Cessus Fidelio video that I had watched. And it, his his homily or his his sermon conference, whatever you want to call it, hit me so hard. As a guy, just as a man, I understood at that moment. I was like, whoa, this is incredible. Then I, I consumed everything I could from him. Then I found Father Ripiger's talks. And then I yeah. started consuming everything with his, of his. So I started to understand the tradition a little bit better. My wife and I went to the fraternity. How did I change my confirmation uh, uh, tactic? Well, I was like, well, what did Christ do? Christ picked up 12 and then, and then the 72, right? 
and then he sent them out. After my after that year of 2015 or 2014, I think 2015, I had a group of guys that just kept coming back to my office after confirmation was over. They would just stick around for hours. I'm like, guys, go home. I got a wife. Like they didn't want to leave. They had they had camaraderie with one another. And it was a lot of guys, and we had some girls too, which was nice. So I just thought to myself, I'm gonna make these guys a leadership position and then build around them. Then I started getting into St. John Bosco. I started reading a lot of Bosco stuff. And I think I don't know if people know this or not, but if it wasn't for um if it wasn't for Bosco, we wouldn't have um, Savio, St. Dominic Savio, mm-hmm. because St. Yeah. Dominic Savio came off of St. Bosco. But m- most folks, I don't think that maybe they know, I don't, I didn't know until a few years ago. If it wasn't for St. Joseph Cafaso, we wouldn't have St. John Bosco. St. So Joseph, <laughs> J- Joseph Cafaso was Bosco's spiritual director. So to me, it was like the holy men that gave that testimony to other holy men. Then got other yeah. holy men. Like we, we have three generations of holy people: Cafaso, Bosco, and then um, the kids. Well, but look at it like this. Also, you have Saint Ignatius gives us Saint Francis Xavier. Yeah. You have Saint Francis. Uh, uh, you know, Saint Saint Francis. Saint Francis gives us Saint uh, Saint Claire, and he gives us Saint Anthony. Like that, like holiness is contagious, and when you get a real Ambrose saint, and Augustine, yeah, like you right. get real. Too. Holiness is contagious because people emu- they want to emulate it and they want to they want to be a saint when they're around someone who's a saint. Right, correct. That's absolutely true. So we we built that program to we had about fifteen leaders. The year after that, I said, "Hey guys, I'm just throwing it out there. After your confirmation, I have I, I have a summer program where I could get some of you guys. If you want to have a leadership position, we can get you a leadership position." Next thing I know, that fifteen turned into fifty. That 50, by the end of my year, by 2019, we had 120 leaders that came back that we started from 2015. So four years, they just kept coming back. And it was so beautiful because they came back for one another, but you started to see a shift in them. They stopped hanging out with their friends from school, and they only started hanging out with their friends in church. Mm-hmm. And now, did I have a band that did some of the, uh, the, 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 the Christian rock music? Yeah, we did that once a month. We did that once a month towards the end. We, we, we play that and the, the kids would like it. But I remember one time uh, we had a couple of older priests and they had they had left. So these two new young priests came in. Um, I mean, I, 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 I can never forget this. Uh, Father Derek came up to me and says, hey, I, I came from youth ministry. What do you want me to do? And I was like, finally, a priest who wants to come to a youth program wants to help. I said, all I want you to do, I want to have a youth night where we have benediction, adoration and benediction and i want mm-hmm. spiritual direction and confession in the back so i said i'll start you know we'll, we'll, have, we'll have chant we'll turn off the lights blah 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 we'll, we'll get the candles going we'll have incense in the in the hall man the kids didn't want to go home they were kneeling really? for two hours two hours straight <clears throat> i had chant going and every and every time a kid would come out of their chair another kid would come in and go go to confession with, with these priests and at the end of the at the end of the, the 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 year, I asked what what was their favorite, you know, confirmation moment or class. Ninety percent of them said it was the adoration, benediction, and confession. 
you it's because you, it was completely you different. Ki- you gave those kids something unique that they had never seen before. That's what it especially was. young men, yeah. right? It's like we, we, what Rob was describing earlier. Like uh, I remember my parents took me to Scranton University when I was a kid, and I've told the story on air before. And there was one point where um, they had basically a Protestant altar call. It was like, mm. you want to give your life to Jesus? And I'm wa- I'm looking around me and I see all these girls hysterically crying and I see everybody weeping. And I'm like, God, I, 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 Jesus, I accept you in my heart. Why am I not crying? Why is everybody here crying but me? Like, what is going on? It had, had such a weird effect on me. Like, it really, I, I remember like, feeling like, God, I'm open to you. Like, why am I the only one here not in tears weeping? Like, I would love to be in, in this you know, hysterical state with the Holy Spirit pouring over me. It just didn't happen for me. And it had like a really negative effect on me. Now, if I had been taken to something where it was like only men and they were like, and they explained the battle that is like real Catholicism is a battle. (laughs) It's not like, like we, we've, we've, I remember hearing a a talk one time about like, uh, I might've been Peter Kreeft where it was uh he was talking about like whichever religion has the most saints wins at the end. And he was talking about the difference in how Muslims prepare their young men versus how the church is preparing our young men since the council. And it's like, we don't, we, you know, we keep, we, we keep lightening the rules. We just keep making it easier and easier. And they think that they're making it easier and that's going to bring more people in. And the ma- easier they make it, the more people leave. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I heard this homily on, on, on uh, Tuesday when my daughter made her confirmation, I, all that kept going through my head is you're begging these kids to come back on Sunday and you're begging the parents to bring them back. But all you've done is push people away for the past 50 years. Like, what do you, it's, it's such a self destructive way to run any kind of program whatsoever. It just it makes no sense. And then I go to, a, I go to the traditional mass and the place is packed. Right. 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 It, it is. Just, yeah. No, uh, Picking back up what you just said, what 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 do confirmation students here, high school students here, throughout the whole time of confirmation? This is your chance for adulthood. This is your entering into adulthood in, in the faith. You're becoming an adult in the faith. And then you get confirmed, and then you hear a homily to where the bishop is treating them like children. Yeah. And, and, and it's like you just contradicted yourself. Yeah. Not, you know, not even just an adult, a soldier for Christ. Mm-hmm. You well, know, that's, like, the old right. that's the old right prayer of confirmation. The yeah. new well, I had I actually in the faith. Yeah, I explained that to my my daughter, right? And I'm like, she's making her confirmation. I'm like, do you understand what confirmation is? And um, I tried to explain to her, like, this is the in confirmation, you get the graces to endure martyrdom. You're wearing a red robe so that you have the graces to endure martyrdom because you may come, there may come a time, especially in your lifetime, lifetime, don't. Don't think that's not a possibility. If you don't make your confirmation, you may not have the graces to endure that and stand up for what you believe in. Like that's literally what you're getting at confirmation. It's it's one reason why uh, I think we needed we needed to do confirmation earlier, like like the Eastern Catholics do, because we just saw this week. Do it at baptism. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we saw this week. You might have to be ready to be a martyr to this craziness at the age of nine. Good point. Yeah, that is a good point. And 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 it's not just that they're being bombarded with things from the culture where right. if they don't have those graces, the culture itself, like we were just talking about all this rainbow garbage, it's like it's 
it's I have we have a, we have one video about the army where the army is bringing these trans drag shows like like you're so you keep seeing these videos pop up about uh, from people on the left saying it's not drag ki- shows for kids that are dangerous guns are dangerous it's like no do you not get that the, the the drag show leads to the ideology that drove this person to go and do the thing they're doing right. and Rob and I have been talking all day about just like. We're all like people keep talking about like the civil war that may come like we're already in one, guys. We're already in one. It may not be a hot war, but there's a war for the for the battle of every single person's soul. You cannot see what's going on in this culture and think that there's a way to turn it around at this point. Not without divine intervention. No, without that. Yeah, correct. Um, So here's. I'm going to ask you guys a question, but uh, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, uh, Rob, you mentioned your confirmation retreat. Yeah. And you're talking about battle, right? Now, forgive me for saying this, and and it is nothing to do with the the opposite gender. I just don't know how to minister to to women. I'm not not good. I did the best I could at confirmation. And the retreats, we separated the girls and the boys. So the boys, we had this weekend retreats, and I and I man, I look forward to the boys' weekend retreats so much because it was so awesome. We had we started off Friday night. We had them in cabins, and we brought them in. We said our prayer, but we started off. We what we did is we 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 went down. Uh, and, and it was outside. It's freezing. This is December, right? It's cold. It's night, and we're in the basketball court, sitting in outside basketball courts. And I had this um, ex sergeant, uh, military Ray. <laughs> Super, super cool guy. And he would start off with just this motivational speech. We would light up a torch and we would run to the hall with a torch on, right? What's <laughs> up, Steve? Uh, He's the best. Yeah, Rick's here, too. <laughs> he wasn't even watching. Some, somebody just like, yeah, look. he wasn't, he sensed it. <laughs> look at it. Look what he just said. I felt the disturbance in the force. Dude, I freaking love it. The force from DC. So the first first thing we would do on Friday night, we would would break them in the cabins. We would play this game we call Barbarian Ball. And what it is, is it would be a 20-pound medicine, 25-pound medicine ball, right? And they they would take five guys on their knees on one side and five guys on the other. And the rest of the group would surround them like the Coliseum. OK, and then, and then the, the, the whole point of the game is you the, these guys got to take the ball, the medicine ball to the other side. While these guys, you've got this gigantic wrestling match right in the middle of the floor. And this 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 music is blasting and these guys are just chanting. This one kid came out of this, this scuffle one time. Right. And his pinky was from, from right here to right here. <laughs> Everybody stopped, looked at me and I was like, uh oh. And then and then he was like. I'm okay. The whole place arose. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and it was just, adrenaline was running. It was just the whole thing. Just preparing them for battles. Like you guys are in a spiritual battle. This is the battle, right? So that the rest, the, the rest of the, um, the weekend was all about spiritual battle and manhood. And then on Saturday night, it was two hours of adoration and silence and on their knees. And the boys, would, would, they were just, it was, it was beautiful. It was great. But here's what I would say about, about youth ministry. I don't, and some people might disagree. I don't think the position should exist. I think it needs to be abolished across every diocese in this country. Because number one, like Anthony, like you said, it's your responsibility 
to catechize your child. And like public school, parents have already been conditioned to drop their child off and, and delegate that responsibility to somebody else. First of all, that's not fair to an individual. The culpability, first of all, that, that, that you're putting on this person to educate a teen that's already used to materialism enslaved to themselves, dopamine, public school. So what? It, so then it becomes an entertainment aspect of it, mainly because every youth minister will tell you, all I want is constellation of visible return. I want to put together a night and I want to see tears. Because yeah. if I don't see tears, I might not be doing a good job. But what they fail to understand is your fruits of youth ministry are 10 years from now. Yeah. Is the child still going to mass? Is he praying the rosary? Is he going to confession? Not what happened after the retreat and their spiritual high. That's just emotional manipulation. Manipulation. Yeah. Now, Fawaz, let me ask you something. What, um, what, what, like, because I've never actually heard your story. Like, how, were you always Catholic? Did you have a time away from the faith? What, yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. was your deal? Yeah, I was born, baptized, all that stuff, Catholic. Um, and my parents were priesters, so we went to Mass Christmas and Easter. And honestly, I never I heard that. You've never heard Creaster? No. no. I've, heard, I've heard Creaster and CEOs are the two terms. CEOs, yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. C- C- yeah CEOs I've heard. Yeah, Creasters. Uh, and we'd go to Nova Soto. Um, don't get me wrong. My dad is, naturally speaking, he provided a protector. Awesome, awesome, awesome father. Yeah. Um, naturally, he understands the natural aspects of fatherhood. Uh, I came back to the faith. So let me say this really quickly. Uh, I found the faith once again out of boredom. I was just bored in my early 20s. And I just picked up Revelations and started reading. And, and it was such an astonishing book to me. I got hooked. And I started picking up Ray Comfort, Kirk Cameron. Yeah, and, dude. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I became Protestant probably for about six months. My dad loses the it. same thing. My dad loses his mind. And I'm like, what are you losing your mind for? We went to Mass every, like twice a year. You don't take your faith seriously. What do you he care about? He knew enough. He knew enough. He knew because it's, it's our roots. I mean, St. Mark came to our people and preached. You know? I mean, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I got to stop you. Hold on. I'm sorry. Because you went. What? <laughs> what? Um. What? What? Is, where? What is your family background? Like, what? Where? Uh, what? What nationality is your family? So we're Syriac Chaldean. Okay, so you went to a Chaldean mass, didn't you? No, not really. Oh, you never went to a Chaldean rite. Okay, I, I thought I, I don't know why I thought that. Okay, so no. all right, so your father knew enough to say to you, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, this is not you know you can't go this route." Yeah, he knew enough to say this. Look, he's like, I don't know the faith well enough to defend the Protestant. But I know for a fact that the Catholic faith is a true faith. I just know it. It's like it just—it's part of something. It's—it's it's part of our roots. As, part of, as part of his sense of fidelium. Right. It is. Yeah. So he said to me, he said, "Please, you know, just go to a Catholic Bible study, just for a little bit, and if you're not convinced, you can leave to to you know to whatever faith you want to go to." I had enough respect to my for my for my dad to to to, to, to listen, and. God's providence, we ended up going to a local parish, uh, and it was Chris O'Donnell, a biblical scholar who was doing um, Bible study, and it was it was scripture interpretation according to the church fathers. Oh boy, you were done. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're undefeated. 
<laughs> oh, you never stood a chance. Fathers. Kirk Cameron had no shot. <laughs> My brother and I had no chance. Kirk Cameron got left behind, boy. <laughs> three months later, three months later, we're like, Catholicism is true. Um, the water is purest closest to the faucet. The truth is purest closest to the time. For me, it was, is it going to be Luther or is it going to be the fathers since they're the apostles of the apostles? I had enough sense to put that together. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since then, it's just really been, it's just just learning everything I possibly can. Up until today, I'm learning still. Yeah, yeah dude, I wound up, I told the story, I wound up, I was coming home from Atlantic City. I was a total mess. I lost all my money. I think I was taking oxycontin back then like it was just a bad ride home and i just remember being in the dumpster like total gutter and i heard a protestant preacher on the radio and i gave my life to jesus on the with the protestant preacher and i remember coming home and talking to my mother and just telling her i gave my life to jesus now the thing is i never knew i never was tempted to leave the catholic faith because I just thought, like, you could listen to Protestant preaching and still be Catholic. Like, I didn't, mm. I figured, you know, I'm Catholic. I still have the Eucharist. I didn't, until I started hearing negative things about Catholicism from Protestant preachers. And I started hearing preachers saying things like, Jesus came to abolish religion. And it started contradicting what I believe. And I was you like, mean, that doesn't sound. You mean like what the Chosen says? Yeah, basically. So I started hearing things like that. And I'm saying, what? Why am I hearing this? Like, what is going on? So I, so I looked up. I remember just like googling um, uh, difference in Protestant and Catholic, and I came across Scott Hahn's conversion story, and that was it. I was like, I was like a Catholic supremacist. I was just like on a rampage, and I went through the same thing. I went through Catholic Answers. I went through all the Lighthouse Catholic media talks, so much so that like I couldn't wait to debate Protestants. Like I was like, I just went on a learning rampage, and then it, it took a few years more until I actually left the church for a while, and then I told the story when, with Taylor on the other day. I came across Taylor Marshall and I came back to the church through tradition. So I had like a two, two year period where I wasn't going to mass and I was never an atheist, but I was living as though God didn't exist, even though I still believed he existed. Like I was just living, I was hiding in the garden and pretending I, you know, just, I don't know, God, I don't see you. I don't want you to see me. You were asleep in the garden. Yeah. 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 I was hiding in the garden. I didn't want God to find me, you know, and it's, it's just that that's really what like if people don't understand what original sin really is, it's, you know, God tells Adam and Eve, if you eat of the true, uh, the, the fruit of the tree of, of life, you will surely die. And then the devil says, you won't die. And then they eat the fruit and they don't die. Who lied? Did God lie or did the devil lie? No, no, no. You, they died. They <laughs> died. Their soul died. Right. That's what it is. Their soul, they lost their, the grace that connected them to God. And that's what happens to us when we commit mortal sin. And now all of a sudden you're Adam hiding in the garden. You die. Like people don't realize, like, look around you. There's dead people everywhere. It's like mm. the, the sixth sense. I see dead people. Where are they? They're everywhere. They don't know they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me ask you guys this. Rob hates pop culture references. <laughs> I, do. I do it all the time. It drives them nuts. <laughs> let me, let me ask you guys this as speaking as men here. Um, because I have my thoughts on this, but I want to hear yours. What do you think in an, in an aspect of youth ministry? 
that needs to change? What what message do you think young men need to hear? Because they're resonating to Andrew Tate, so obviously there's a there's a, there's a hunger for it. What is what do you think that we need to give young men in order to get them to to get excited about the faith? They need to hear how des- hard it is. Des- I'm going to say a desire to suffer. Yeah, they need mm-hmm. to hear how hard it is. They need to hear that like. You you can take the easy route and you could be like everyone else and you can find emptiness and material things. And you can watch Andrew Tate. And if you watch Andrew Tate, a lot of people like and I see even like Christians defending like they put him in jail with no trial. Like if you really look at some of the things Andrew Tate did, Andrew Tate materialist. Not just a materialist. This guy was putting women on OnlyFans and things like that, roping them in with promises of money and love and he would get them on OnlyFans, and then to he i mean this him literally saying this that he would get these women to trick men out of their savings and make it make the men think the women were going to come visit them and oh give me ten thousand so i could get a passport so i could come there and then they would just he steal money he was a pimp and he was a thief yes. now if that's what if that's what you want to aspire to be fine you'll never find anything in that but if you want to take the hard route, because I'll tell you what you really got to do. You got to get them to listen to the Father Ripperger talk, How to Raise a Man. Yeah, that's a good one. That talk yes. is life-changing. Yep. And he goes through the, 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 the differences in men and women and the urges men and women have. And women have a proclivity towards this and men have a proclivity towards that. And if you want to raise a man, this is, I mean, really, I would suggest let's, let's break down that talk one day. Yeah. And then maybe we could devise a a, a, a a teaching structure from that talk because that talk changed me. I know that it, sure. And it, I mean, on the subject of Ripager, his talk on generational spirits. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it shows that the, that the mess we're in now started eighty years ago when our great grandfathers didn't convey the importance of suffering to our grandfathers, mm-hmm. and then our grandfathers protected our fathers from suffering. And so on and so forth. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. We, yeah, I think the I think the biggest I think the biggest problem in that it, that's a hundred percent correct. But the main thing was at that point the men left teaching of the faith to the women. That was the point because it was easier. It was easier, but it was like not not like it wasn't like especially after the council. It became such a, a non masculine form of liturgy that like i mean it's look i don't ever want to come in here and bash the nova sort of that's not what i'm trying to do but especially uh after watching this the not not the ancient apocalypse rob i'm not going there don't worry but the 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 ancient christians that i the it was the early christians on the form that they take you through what the early church was like and they take you through how they wouldn't just baptize somebody like you had to do a three year oh, catechumenate yeah. program because you had to relearn how to live. You had, to, you couldn't, you couldn't just go from being pagan to Catholic. Like you had to relearn everything. You had to learn how to change your life. You had to live completely differently. They would take you to the mass, but you would only see the first well, half of the mass. I was going to say only half of the mass. You would see the mass of the catechumens. Then you would have to leave because the mystery was there. You weren't mm-hmm. allowed to know what happened. 
in the mass of the faithful. That was a mystery. And there's something to the Novus Order that they took away the mystery. There's mm-hmm. supposed to be something mysterious and transcendent. And you're not supposed to know what the, the priest is right. saying up at the altar. Yeah, wh- why do you think the canon is silent? Silent. You're not supposed to know. There's something mysterious going on up there. And it's the yep. idea of having a Latin language for the church, a, a universal language for the church, no matter where you are. I don't care if you visit Germany or Italy or France, no matter where you go, you go and you know what's going on in the mass. What was that comment? I came home for ancient apocalypse talk. I'm beyond disappointed. <laughs> I talk about it every episode. But you know what he's saying? Um, so, Samantha Homemaker, she, what, what she said is actually true. Pius XII actually said co-ed education is 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 not not acceptable. Pius it shouldn't 12. be. The Pius boys are distracted the whole time. All yeah. they're do- look, you can't even you can't even blame them. Yeah. You think about you at fifteen. You can't treat a you can't treat a man a, a boy and a girl the same. No at least, especially especially a, a male teacher can't. Right, like no. a male teacher should be hard on bo- on boys. Yeah, That's barbarian how, ball. Like, like, Broken pinky. (laughs) Yeah, look, like like Fawaz was saying, like I'm terrible at conveying the faith to women because the way I talk sounds so rough and brutal. Yes, and especially my wife and my mother, they get they're like, oh, you can't say that. That's offensive. It's like you have to be offensive sometimes. Mm, You have to be willing to like if so. Like my wife can't doesn't understand how you're supposed to say there's no salvation outside the church. She's like, I just don't want to judge anybody. It's like, if you don't convey that there's no salvation outside the church, what is the purpose of evangelization? Why would anybody become Catholic if there's no reason to become Catholic? If you could get to get to heaven, no matter what. And and if we're not willing to judge the actions of people, all we're doing then is letting God judge them and send them to hell. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Well, my my wife has a a, a, a gay friend who she's had since she was a teenager. I mean, this is, so she's. <laughs> you just, you just go ahead. What was that? <laughs> He's like Andy. Whoa! <laughs> I love this show. So, she, like, she's like. So, listen. No, now he was raised. Um, his his. His father was Greek Orthodox and his mother was Catholic. So they would go. He was bounced around from the divine liturgy to the the uh, mass. Mm. So um, the last time I saw him, I was actually talking to him. I'm like, I'm like, Paul, would you ever take me to a divine liturgy, like a Byzantine Catholic church? Because I've never been to an Eastern Rite. He was like so excited. He's like, yes, Anthony, I'll take you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, like he was so excited to take me. And Nicole, I'm like, and Nicole was like, like mad that I was talking to him about this. Rob, chill out, relax. <laughs> Get a Are you sure she wasn't mad because you were talking to him like that? <laughs> so listen, but the thing is, I was able to um, talk to him about something. Like he was excited to take me to a divine liturgy without feeling any sense of judgment or anything. But it's like. Look, like you, you have to find a way to bring these things up to anybody. Like he, rem- he has those memories from when he was a kid. Like, like you were saying, like your the judgment is going to be ten years from now. Where, where is the, where is that person that you were? But a lot of times you don't realize the seeds that were set from when you were a kid. This grace is there from your baptism, from your confirmation. That maybe something ten years later, even if somebody left the faith, maybe one of those graces are going to spark in that person's heart. So yeah, she has a gay friend. That maybe if he took me to the divine liturgy, maybe something will spark in his heart. Maybe he'll remember 
that he misses Jesus. Like there's something about being young and, and yeah. praying when you're a kid and not knowing any, you know, any, any better that you do have this innocence and trust in Jesus when you're young, you know, you know, I, I, I'm critical obviously of, of some of my faith formation growing up, but at the same time, like coming back to the church, it, there was like the thought, like I was at that point disappointing, like Father Zweber, who who taught me. I was disappointing Sister Bernadine and Sister Brethel and, and these great <coughs> holy people, and like that, you know, that helped raise me, mm. and, and that that sort of stuff did help me bring, you know, help bring me back. So you never know what what little thing or what little thing you've learned or what little grace you were given is is going to be that thing that that helps push you over the edge to come back. Here's what I'm seeing in the culture. Go ahead. Well, no, Kevin has been away from the church, and we want Kevin to come back. And you never know the graces that'll kick in for Kevin. Kevin mm-hmm. is Catholic adjacent, so he he left the faith. He was raised in the traditional traditional mass too, and he still sticks around though. He's still watching all these Catholic podcasts and stuff. So I mean, I still think Kevin's going to come back one day. He's God bless he's, you, Kevin. he's not like a militant anti-Catholic. He still mm-hmm. kind of keeps the door open, and he likes to interact with Catholics a lot. So. I have, I have faith that Kevin's going to come back. back Here's what I'm seeing in the culture right now. Um, I'm, I'm, so we were talking about Andrew Tate, and I think Angela said uh, that he's a disgusting man and he's very vile. Truly I, vile, she said. Tru- truly vile. Truly, truly, I say to you, he is vile. So it, and she's absolutely right. The reason I say that is when you have socialism and you have capitalism, and, and Chester even talked about this, ultra-capitalism leads to socialism. If, if, if it's yes. unchecked, it becomes yes. socialism, right? In the same way, when you have what you know, this type of masculinity that is not you know attached to any sort of virtue, it becomes a feminist, which is what mm-hmm. he is. He's a feminine. So yes. here's my thing. Here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing two dividing cultures that are trying to win young souls right now. And the reason why the left is so good at this, it's because they give young people a sense of purpose. Every single mm-hmm. human person who's ever existed is looking for a sense of purpose, especially the men. We're looking for a sense of purpose. They give them a sense of purpose insofar as they say, if you put on your mask, you can help save this soul. If you take this shot, you can help, you can help save this person. If go you, protest this problem. Go protest this problem. Right. Join, join Antifa and you can get rid of these evil. Recycling, people are fighting evil. Right. right. So the fact that... Not only that, but they're seeing results. They're seeing what we call constellation of visible return. It's like mm. it's tangible. It's there. So it's attractive to people. And the other side of it, you're seeing the traditional aspect of it where it's, it's attracting young men. And what they're giving them is a sense of purpose within the holiness according to their family, their state in life. A lot of times, I, I say this all the time, the greatest thing that ever happened to men is marriage. Because for once, for once, you are not doing anything for yourself. You get up early in the morning because it's for your family. You do the dishes entirely, you know, without anybody knowing it's for your family. Everything is for your children. Everything is for your family. That aspect of it is so manly. It's because it causes the interior discipline. And no longer it's about you anymore. It's about the other person. What I don't understand for the life of me, and I don't think the Nova Soto is sufficient, in, in, in helping families, because I've seen families with tw- with ten kids fill up the pews in Novus Ordo. Once those children are off to college, they have lost the faith. I've seen it hundred percent of the time, and I know them. 
because it just wasn't sufficient. It wasn't. I don't see that in the TLM community. Well, in fairness, the the TLM communities <clears throat> don't know yet. But we also don't know yet, right? Like, I, I do know. Look, Kevin was raised in the, in the right, traditional, yeah, not yet, and he left, right? So it's like, <clears throat> I, I think a lot. Like, maybe we have some rosy glasses on, right? But I, I, I think that. Um, it definitely has given me a greater sense of purpose. It definitely has given me a more challenging way to live. So I can only speak to my own experience. And I do hope that what you're saying is correct. So uh, to be fair, I grew up FSSP and I left at age 22, right? So look, it's not a guarantee. The traditional right is not a guarantee. guarantee. None of it is. It's just, but uh, Kevin, how old are you now? See how old Kevin is now. Because I think he's still fairly young. Um, I, I think the problem, I think even in a TLM community, I, I think we don't realize how enmeshed that community for the most part is still in the secular culture. Like people are still on their phones 27. on social media, people, you know, 27. Well, okay. So, so Kevin's 27. That means he left. He's only been out five years. I, Kevin, I was going for I 10. I was going for 10 as well. So the thing is, right now, I know you think like, oh, whatever. I, you know, you think what you think, but you, you don't, don't, don't ever close it off to God bringing graces in your life. That's all. If I'm you saying. listen to Deus Volts, by the way, it might bring you back. To, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 now, now, for was I, I, can, I only know, especially from talking to my cousin, how amazing your parish is and like the community that you guys have there oh, yeah. do you guys yeah. do something for the do you guys just do stuff amongst the parents or does the parish itself have something that you guys are doing with the kids or the men the men in the parish we have we we, we have a men we have a men's every tuesday uh first tuesday of the month the men meet and it's it's so direct it's, it, it, it's a confraternity for the souls of purgatory and it's so awesome mm-hmm. and your cousin has just been a blessing to that parish beyond beyond blessing He's been become part of that parish in, in, a, in a major way, and um, but what what and if, forgive me for trying. I'm, I'm really not trying to say that you're right. We haven't seen the TLM folks yet because they're more they're younger, um, and there is a major chastity issue among trad men, especially among the fathers. The reason is is because a lot of us found it found the TLM. And we really are, are trying to cultivate virtue, and that stuff that's talked about in the TLM community—cultivating virtue, suffering, and and and, and, and redemptive suffering—where I don't really—I'll be honest with you—and this is probably just me—I cannot remember a single Novus Ordo homily growing up, and I went to mass thousands of times. I can't remember a single homily. It just—it didn't. Yeah, nothing stuck. Never. They're never about virtue. They're no. never about living a, a, a you know, a, a, it's always about some cute little story that the priest and he gives you a little laugh. And it's just about, you know, make Jesus a part of your life. And those are all fine and good, but they're not calling anybody to something greater. They're not no. calling anybody to sainthood. That's for sure. I, I heard one, one time where uh, the, it was a young priest and he gave a, he gave a talk on, on pornography and it was a great homily and it really challenged everybody. And he got an applause at the end, which is annoying because it's, you know, <laughs> it was an applause, but it was still surprising that the people did applaud it, that he actually had the, the guts to speak out about it. And mm. two weeks later, he got moved out of there and got put oh, into, <laughs> he got put into, um, the same he, now he's the, 
No, he's he's now actually the vocations director for our diocese. He's a great priest, uh, young priest. He had a deep, deep love for the Eucharist. Always talked about the Eucharist in his homilies, but that was the only time I ever heard him talk about like actual virtue and you know the virtue of chastity and. But that was the only time. I mean, you're talking, I've been Catholic my whole life, and that was the only time I ever heard anything that strongly uh, right. spoken about. It gives men a sense of purpose to 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 to, to achieve, right? And th- this is what I think youth ministry should be geared geared towards. And I'm sorry, but there I have uh, I tried all early on, I tried every program, every program you could think of, Matthew Kelly's program. Chris Stefanik's program, it's it was it was cute, but it's, it it's just so wasn't it. It was missing something. It was it's missing so something. And then yeah. I was said to myself, you know what? Forget it. I'm, I'm starting my own program. You know what it was? You know what my program was? Thank you, Steve Cunningham. I had 225 students sitting in the hall listening to Father Wolf, Father Philip Wolf. Oh, he's the best. I had him listen to Father Isaac Mary. And at the end of it, the young adults that got older started going to St. Anne's Fraternity Parish, FSSB. I didn't tell them to do that. I didn't tell them to do that. The pastor was Jesuit when I was working. He got mad at me. He put me into a meeting and said, why am I, Why are the students in my parish or my young adults going to the FSSB? They're, an hour they're hearing about the faith but not seeing it at Mass? That's exactly the problem. So it's 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 an entertainment aspect of it. We get numbers. We're excited about it. We we'll send them off to college, and they come back and they have blue hair. I mean, that's just how it is. It's just unfortunate. <laughs> you know, I I think oh. that was one of the one of the problems with like like God I bless said, you, like Brandon. My, I'm, I'm glad you did. My ahead, my formation was pretty solid. Like we learned from the Baltimore Catechism. Wow. But then when you send those same kids that you just taught the Baltimore Catechism to a life team mass, they're going to see a disconnect there. That doesn't that doesn't make sense in their brain. And well, it's not it's not just that. Like what I I heard I heard my whole life how there would be saints that had a deep devotion to the mass and and they really loved the mass and and I never understood it when I was going to mass because I used to fall asleep at mass and I could barely pay attention until I found like, the traditional mass. It's like how can how can someone have a devotion to these? Yeah, things? and then I found the traditional mass. I'm like, oh, that's the mass that the saints were talking about. There's no way they were talking about that other one. That other one that was goofy. And and the other thing is I had that. Uh, <laughs> argument with that guy the other day where this guy was trying to tell me that the Novus Ordo is the the apostles would recognize the Novus Ordo before they recognize the traditional Latin Mass is what he told me and I said even if that was true you don't actually want the Mass of the Apostles that would have been a very Jewish liturgy the, the apostles were Jewish. It would have been a very Jewish liturgy. You want to give the, the church 150, 200 years to develop its liturgy, its own unique rite, and that's the mass you want to go to. You don't act, You want to go to the, the mass of the church fathers. Plus, you don't want to go to the mass of the actual apostles. The, the I mean, we're talking about a time when they were being persecuted. The they wasn't were even in hiding. And, like, like the, the question isn't what mass the is closer to Mass of the Apostles. The, the 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 question is, what mass is closer to the mass that the apostles would want? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, the church takes a little bit of time to develop its ritual, right? Like it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like it. it 
the, the apostles, like, yeah, it probably did start out where they gathered around a table, just like Jesus did at the last supper and they broke bread that way. But then they started to realize because things get like, as the apostles are aging and going about, like things are being revealed to them. The scriptures are being enlightened. The Holy spirit is enlightening them with things and they're developing the sense of liturgy. Now, Paul goes around, do you, like, you have to really think about how, how do you think the church actually remained doctrinally intact in that early church because paul goes bouncing from town to town it's like he sets up a church and then he goes <laughs> to the next one how, how, they, how do you think that they works? remain attacked through angry letters from paul not just that though in in reality it's supernatural paul lays his hands on somebody right. lays his hands on timothy timothy right. receives the holy spirit he receives this gift from the holy spirit and he gets the gift of prophecy and he gets the gift of it, he, he literally gets the faith implanted in his head through supernatural means so that when he's reading these scriptures, they're just enlightened to him immediately. There are so many miracles in the early church that Paul, everywhere he goes, his shadow gets cast and people are converting. It's like, but the way he really gets people to keep the faith is by setting up liturgies in these places. He sets up a liturgy so that these people know, okay, we gather and we perform. This is what we do. We read from the old Testament then we read one of Paul's letters and then we celebrate and we consecrate the, like it, it takes a little bit of time, but it's really supernatural in that early church year. It's, right. it's beautiful. No, I may be alone in this. Um, thanks for sharing that guys. That's beautiful stuff, but I may be alone in this, but when I say the Nova Sardo, I'm talking about you every day. Yeah, because I'm actually a fan of the what we what we call the Unicorn Nova Sardo. I've been to it. The Saint John Cantius that Brandon's talking about, or, or the Fathers of Mercy, four hours away from me. They do a beautiful Nova Sardo, and I'm a fan of that. You know, I will go to that if I had to, but I prefer the TLM. Um, but uh, going back to what you said, Anthony, I think it's true, and I think even the early church knew that because if you remember when Corinth had a problem, and Patmos was closer, and and the last apostle was in Patmos, John. They didn't write to the Apostle John and how to fix, you know, their community. They wrote to Clement mm -hmm. how to fix it. They knew they had, they knew to go to the Pope, not to the, not, not just to the Apostle. They knew yeah. how the church works. So yeah. I think in that aspect of it, you're right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's just it's. I love the youth so much because I spent ten years with them, and I have such a heart for them. And I just feel bad for what they're going through because I know they're enslaved to themselves. I know we were living in a, in a world where you have fake food, fake entertainment, unnatural everything. And they're enslaved to themselves and looking for a way out. And the church has it, but we're not giving it to them. And that's what drives me crazy. And they're yearning for spiritual fathers desperately. And they that's don't the biggest have issue. They don't have spiritual fathers. So honestly, if you do put a program together, they need that more than you can imagine. Right. Like, it, honestly, I, I was going to say, if you come across one of those Father Wolf talks or a Father Father Isaac talk that you think would speak to young men, send it to me. Mm -hmm. Because I do work with young men and, and they're constantly asking me questions. And I have a 17-year-old son that I want to make sure that he keeps the faith and he endures. It's like... There's always things that if you if you come across something that you think really does, you know, would hit a young man's heart, send it over, man. Yeah, those, yeah. That's why the wolf talks are amazing. He is, you know, in yeah, no, he's 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 super incredible. And, and I'm I'm happy you said that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and find them. And um Father Rippiger's he has a four-part series on marriage. Changed my entire marriage. And I got to it late. I didn't understand marriage so after I heard that one. Because it, it, don't even get me started on the pre-Cana <laughs> diocese. I just talked about it the other day. I talked and, about it the other day. 
can I give you a, an experience of mine? Yeah. Oh, so we we did we didn't do the retreat because I didn't want to be you know a weekend with my wife staying somewhere else. I think that's just immodest. It's horrible. I don't want to do that. So they had to put us through like a five or six hour diocesan class in the basement with all these other couples. And the deacon's up there. And the first thing he asks is, fellas, before we start, tell you, tell me all the cool stuff that, you know, the, the sacrificial stuff that you do for your wife or the cool stuff. This guy raises his hand. He says, I make a bread and breakfast every morning. And I'm thinking to myself, you dummy, you just told the whole program that you're living together before marriage. Yeah. He, got a, he got a round of applause from the deacon too, and I'm just yeah. like, you got so this was the issue, and that those four series, talk four series, the Father Rupert gave, man, they are so absolutely incredible and vital to any married couple. Now I send it to any couple that the, the, the youth that, that are growing up and getting married, I send them they I send them that talk and say, listen to this while you're engaged, it'll set up your marriage. I want you got to send me that talk too. Um, I've I'll tell you, um, I we I was never like a, a big drinker. I was never like a big drinker. I don't ever drink during the week and stuff. But okay, Mister Rocket Fuel. But since giving up drinking uh, on Valentine's Day, I I find that me and my wife are like a million times better just from not like having that hangover and things like that. Like we gave up drinking for Lent and it's been, it's been such a great experience that we're both like, I think we're just going to stick with it. We're just not going to go back to drinking. Right. What are you guys thoughts on something like Exodus 90? I've never done yeah. it. Here's the thing. I, I, I think for young people or seminarians or young men who are really attached to, to some type of vice, and have a, uh, a this disorder, uh, I guess, like those concupiscence. Uh, I think it, it could be fine. Now, as I'm older and I'm married, it's not it's not attractive to me anymore. No, you, you know what's attractive? Finding the little crosses that mm-hmm. God sends me on a daily basis, and just being attuned to them and picking those up. I find those a lot harder than cold showers and deadlifts. I'll be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, being married, listen, if you go into marriage, like I remember when I was younger, especially, I used to always think about like, she didn't do this for me. She didn't do this for me. She didn't do this for me. And if you're going to have that attitude in your marriage, your marriage is going to be a nightmare because you're looking for the other person to say, like, if you go into your marriage and say, okay, how can I make her happy? How can I do something for her? You're, you'll just find your, by you laying your life down like that, she's going to do that back to you. Yeah. And you both wind have, up treating each other better. Have you guys ever, uh, either of you ever read um, The Mystery of Sacrificial Love by Dietrich von Hildebrand? No, no, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it, no. It, no. it is about maybe a 90 to 100 page book. It's it's honestly like an hour and a half read. And <laughs> I mean, it, cool. it, it, com- it completely completely changed the way, I mean, I looked at marriage and it, he's uh, for being such a genius man, like it's it's all about the heart. So it, anyone can read it. Anyone can understand it. And it's it's amazing. All right. So you both have to send me. You have to send me the Father Ripperger four-part series on marriage. And you have oh, to send yeah. me that book, Rob. Yeah. Okay. Three to Get Married is what I read before I got married. That that I've read. Good too. Full, full, that I've read. I'm a, I'm such a, I love Sheen. Love Sheen. Yeah, he's Sheen great, Sheen. man. Sheen's great. <laughs> he really Sheen, is. It's like. Sheen fan, yeah. He just had a way of uh, just putting things that are easy to digest and you're able to understand them. And uh, Scott Hans, that to me now, like that he's the one who taught me the faith. 
Uh, yeah. I, Flanders had Scott Hunt on today, and I was just like in my glory listening to everything <laughs> he was saying. That's awesome. Uh, I remember the, uh, laying at night, turning on EWTN, and Fulton Sheen would come on. Life is worth living. I think that's what it was. Um, yeah, I've just seen those episodes I on so YouTube. Much. Yeah, it's, it was incredible. At the time, I don't think YouTube existed. Uh, it's just turning on those. So, Flair, so now, God bless Fulton Sheen. So now, Fawaz, when you, how old were you when you got married? 28, 27. And your wife was like, where were, were you? This was already after your conversion. You were, you were. Yeah, yeah, I was Catholic. Like, what about your wife? Where was she at? Oh, she's been Catholic her whole life with the Catholic school. Which means she's an expert in everything Catholicism. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did you meet her? Um, it's funny. I met her at a retreat. Um, I was helping at a retreat and so was she. At a, at a parish, because at that time I was going around different parishes helping up retreats. And I was actually on my way to the seminary the week later. Um, I couldn't find a seminary to pay, you know, to help with my debt. They said, there were seminaries that take care of your debt, then we'll take you in. I couldn't, I, you know, I, it was it was taking forever to take care of my debt. It wasn't until the Syriac bishop came to me and said, if you want me to, I'll, I'll knock your debt out, I'll pay for your whole debt. Just join the Syriac seminary. I said, I'll do it. I just want to be a priest. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I, I'll join the East. And he said, it's easier for you anyway. You don't need a disposition from the bishop for both bishops because you're actually baptized, confirmed first communion in the Eastern witness. I'm Syriac. I'm still am. And my yeah. kids are Syriac way. We confirm them by baptism, every single one. Um, I thought you just told me you didn't. You weren't. No, we did. No, no, we did. No, all of my kids are confirmed. No, I know. But I thought, didn't I say before? I said, "Did you go to a Syriac?" Ch- no, I, that you, I don't. You I, I, growing up, yeah, he didn't attend. I don't attend the Syriac right because the number one, I'm in Kentucky. There's no Syriac right okay. here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm the only Syriac in Kentucky, probably. So, <laughs> but you had to fly as, the priest in for the baptism, didn't you? Yes, I had to fly the priest in for the baptism here. Now, here's the thing: I, I was, I'm gonna. So he was supposed to come to my house with paperwork and all that stuff. It was raining so hard. He was coming from LA and I was in San Diego. It didn't work out. Like he, he wasn't able to come. And I had that retreat the weekend after. And I met and I, I met her there. We just hit it off. You talk so, about God intervening, boy. Right. Four, <laughs> you know, how many kids four, do you have? Four, 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 four kids now, and you know, God willing more. You think about the, if that doesn't happen, four souls don't exist. Like the, you could you imagine your life without those kids, dude? Never, never. You never. could never imagine. Like it's so crazy. Once you meet your kids, you're like, I, like you're, I, I can't imagine a scenario where these kids. Are. You're not a different person. Have you guys experienced this? You have a new kid, right? And then like eight months later, you're like, what was life like before you? Yes, you can't remember, right? Yeah, it's yeah, so each crazy. Kid changes you, like you, you become kid, yeah. a different person with each kid. The, yeah, the first time I held my son, I remember being like so, like profoundly, like what the heck? Mm-hmm. Like this is a new <laughs> life that I just I couldn't like. It was such a mind bending experience for me. I was like, "There's a new life in my hands. I can't understand this. Where did this new consciousness come from? It's such a wild experience." <laughs> just the two of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. All right, we're rounding the corner here. It's nine thirty. Um, Fawaz, you're always a blast to talk to, man. I love when you come on with us. No, I love I love hanging out with you guys. It's always a good conversation, and you guys have the best um, viewers on 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 YouTube. Yeah, 
they're so they're so great to interact with and stuff but you like dude like i know it's hard because you do news from the pew on thursdays man like we didn't even get to any of the videos we were going to bring up tonight the conversation that's how you know you're having a good conversation when you don't even have to usually i keep those videos around where if i sense a lull in the conversation i'll go all right rob throw this video up and it gives us something to talk about we didn't even have time to get to any of that today hanging with you tonight Except no, for it. that terrible one at the beginning. <laughs> we should actually play that again on the way out. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Fawaz, what do you got to promote, man? Uh, I'm halfway through my third album. Um, Comes out in August, right? August 15th? August 15th, yeah. This, uh, it's called Kanisa, which means church in Aramaic or Arabic. Um, awesome. And... And this one is going to be, it's, it's more of a collaboration album. There's going to be a lot more people in it um, collaborating. A lot of people from Foundation, um, a lot of Catholic singers that uh, uh, people don't really know um, that was just trying to highlight them. And we have a, a first ever Catholic palooza uh, that uh, hollowed incredible, incredible artist. If you guys check out hollowed, he's a great, uh, great artist. He put it together and he's getting about, I think seven or eight different type of genres of music and bands. And we're going to be in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. And this is the first ever, we're going to be in a Benedictine, I think monastery or something like that, a Benedictine school, I think. And we're, we're going to be performing f- for like 10 hours. That's each awesome. person is going to take time. So this is going to be the first ever. We're, we're, we're looking to down the line. If God, you know, God permits. God's what will. are the dates on that? Uh, that's July 15th. Uh, and we want it to become, we want it to be a stadium full of traditional young Catholic folks who enjoy good Catholic music. And we're really trying to bring, put that out there. I think that's going to wind up being my anniversary weekend because my anniversary is on the 10th and I'm probably going to wind up celebrating it that weekend. I would love to come down there though. We'll, we'll do the, uh, the, the, the PA trip soon. That I want to do. We're doing that this summer for sure. And the we gotta, we gotta, Rob's, Rob's wife is due in what, June, uh, May, Rob? Middle of May middle of may so we're gonna let her spit that kid out and see how that goes let her let her (laughs) we just talked about how amazing and wonderful kids are and five minutes later like let that thing ripen up a little bit (laughs) anthony i don't know what what the situation is as far as uh um staying i know you said your your, your uncle's house but it would be great to get rob um the uh, you the, the the trad men um uh what's his name Connor, the, the people that that we, anybody I, that I, wants to come to that can come. It it, it, sh- it should be like this YouTube families reunion, like uh, this first time meeting. No, I'm gonna invite. I'm gonna invite Steve, Rick, everybody, whoever want whoever wants to come to that. He's got a seven thousand square foot house. There's eight wow. bedrooms. There's a there's a garage with a loft. He's got seven quads. It's like we're gonna have a blast. Whoever wants to come to that one can come. That'd be to great. That one, and so. I'm, I'm gonna be carpooling with your cousin, so we'll be. Yeah, that's gonna be a fun one. And Ariana and my wife have become best friends. Well, yeah, we'll dude, have Ariana schedule, is... We'll have to schedule a time for Steve's uh, divorce from DC talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we have uh, Saturday, Rob and I are uh, interviewing Gavin Ashenden, who was uh, the chaplain to the Queen for the Church of England, and he converted right. and became Catholic. So we're interviewing him on Saturday. So if you guys are in here and you're checking us out, please check that out on Saturday. That's going to be 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Uh, Central. Um, and then uh, we'll see what we got for next week. We're not sure yet. Oh, I got two more. If you don't mind, I got yeah, Brick. Yeah, go ahead. Brick. I'm doing Get to Know Brick. Uh, Brick's coming on to my Get to Know. 
Uh, and then the week after that, I think I think I think Brick is this Monday, if, if I'm not correct. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rick. And then the week after that, I got Jesse Romero, so that's going to be fun. Oh, that's a good one. When are you getting Kennedy on? Kennedy, um, I've asked him a long time ago. He just said he'll let me know when he's ready. He's just going through a lot of stuff right now, so I'm giving him his space. Yeah, he's like the busiest Kennedy, guy in this game. Kennedy doesn't want to come on because you're about the only guy that's got a better beard than him. Oh, no. <laughs> The camera, the camera shows it. It's really not as good as Kennedy. Kennedy's I actually, I was in his comments yesterday. I said, "Yo, when are you doing a get to know?" He said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it soon. I'm gonna do it soon. I'll reach out to Enoch. Don't worry about it." So, cool. all right, Rob, take us out, bro. Briggs is April 10th. That's right, Brick. Thanks, thanks, bud. <laughs> all right, Rob, we're good. And here's some Enoch to end the show with. Thank you. United Clans, Enoch, let's go. Yo, yo, uh, take me back to my reversion. Unite the clans, I give thanks to each person. It's that same holy water that we immerse in. It's that same tradition that we all each versed in. United we stand and divided they win. They ignited in their plans and the pride of their sin. If you think about it, they see us all for the same lands. Their biggest fear is that we all remain friends. I got love for Team Marsh and y'all podcast. I got love for Michael Matt fans. Ryan Grant, Rick, Barrett, T. Flanders, Eric Sammons. Shout out to my boy, John Arrington. My boy, Babylon. I got love for Anthony and Rob Speak On. If you try, you're persecuted the same for the weak heart. 